Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So glad to have you here today to be able to partake in God's word. Uh, before we get into scripture, let's pray. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just want to thank you for this ability to be able to get together to hear your words today. Lord God, I pray that these words that come forward will be your words, Lord God, and that they would bless the lives of every single listener that hears them. Lord God, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today and let them get sunken deep within our spirits so that they may come bubbling up whenever it is that we need them. Take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Again, so glad to have you here. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and pause this message, grab your Bibles, and come on back so that you can see for yourself uh, what the Word of God um, has to say. So, diving right into Scripture here, we're going to start in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse number 13, and I'll be reading out of the New King James um, version for this scripture. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this on, on the subject of being ready for the test. Okay, being ready for the test. We're, rarely do we find ourselves in a situation in life that we're unprepared for. And life is full of all sorts of tests, right? Some we feel better prepared for than others. But it's very rare that we are actually faced with a circumstance that we aren't prepared for, okay? Everything we face is something that we have the ability to handle. Every single thing. As we saw in those scriptures there, God does not allow us to be tempted beyond anything that we're, 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 unable, uh, we're unable to bear. In other words, God doesn't allow, the, the, God will only allow the devil so much, uh, uh, so much uh, ability to wreak havoc in, in your life. He puts a limit on that because God is ultimately in, in charge and God is ultimately in control. So whatever we test we, face our, we, we find ourselves faced with, there's nothing that God isn't able to handle and there's nothing that we aren't prepared for. There's no challenge, no trial that is before you that you're not prepared to deal with. OK, we all have the ability to deal with every single challenge that comes our way. But in the circumstances when we might find ourselves in a situation that we're not prepared for, that we might not have the answer. We must remember that what we just read in these scriptures, that if God is allowing us to be tested in that manner, then that means we have the answers. We need to be able to go to God and ask God for the answer to to the, to that test. Okay, the same way the scripture talks about 
how, how uh, uh, God gives his ch- angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. That keeping you in all your ways means that those angels are there fighting off attacks from the for, for, from all those demons that are trying to wreak havoc in your life based off of what God is going to allow you to be tested on. So it, it, he doesn't stop everything from coming our way because Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. So he doesn't stop everything from coming our way, but he does send his angels to, to, to kind of keep to to help keep us on track, if you will, so that no evil comes before us that we're not able um, that we're not able to be prepared for. We must remember, like I said, that God never allows us to be tested without providing us with the answers. We just saw that in the, in the scripture here. If he did this, he would be making a liar out of himself. And we know that God is not a man and therefore he cannot lie. So if God says you have the answers, if God says that I'm here for you and that I, I'm going to get you through this situation, he will do that because he can't lie. And if he did, then that means that we'd be in a whole world of, of trouble. You might be in school right now. Maybe you're 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 in high school listening to this. Maybe if you're in, in, in middle school, elementary school and you're listening to this with your parents or maybe you're taking some college courses at some point. If you haven't experienced this already, the professor will give you a pop quiz. OK, the reality of it, though, is even when that pop quiz comes about, you already have the answers to that test because that professor then would be not doing their part as a, as a teacher by giving you a quiz on something that he or she has not sent or he or she has not prepared you for. All right. I can certainly think in back in my life, anytime that a pop quiz came up, uh, uh, usually some people in the, in the class would start panicking. But the reality of it was, is that through the course of, of the days preceding that and, and the homework assignments and the, the, the reading that we had to do, those, that's where the answers were. It was my job to make sure that I was, I was prepared. I remember sitting one time in an economics class in high school and, and, and the same thing the, the teacher said, all right, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a, a, a quiz. You know, and then most of the class was like, oh my gosh, wait, a quiz, a quiz. But I knew the subject. I knew the subject. I was paying attention in class and therefore I was able to, to get 100 on that test. I'm going to give you some, some simple things that can be done in order to be prepared for the test. Okay. One way to prepare for the test is to constantly study. The same way when we were in school and, and we had homework assignments, we had to read and all of these things, we shouldn't be studying and trying to cram everything in the day before the exam. We should be studying on a regular basis. So let's take a look see what the word of God says about studying. Turn in your Bibles to Second uh, Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two. And we're going to go to verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent, or in some translations it'll say study. Be diligent to present yourself or prove to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Underline that in verse number 19, if you don't have that underlined already. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, guess what? You're one of God's children. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been adopted into God's kingdom. And now you are, you are part of the body of Christ. If we're not studying God's word on a consistent basis, if we're not studying God's word on a daily basis, then how can we call ourselves his? Because after all, we can we can we can recite the sinner's prayer, if you if, if you will. And we can go out and say that, yeah, I'm a Christian and we can go to church every single Sunday and all the, the different holidays and, and things of that nature. We can do all that stuff. But that doesn't mean necessarily that we are behaving in a way that God would expect us to do. Studying the word of God allows us to also build a nice, deep relationship with him. Okay, a nice, deep relationship with him. Without studying the word of God, we won't know when somebody is actually uh, sharing information that is not truthful. We see there in uh, in um, verse 17 there, uh, it says, and their message spreads like cancer. Well, let's. Actually, let's back up to verse 16. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. All right. Uh, just recently, I was on uh, social media earlier this week, and, and, and someone was, uh, w- was talking about how if you look at the creation of the universe and you compare that to the Big Bang Theory, that the only way the universe could be created is that it had to be created by some intelligent being, that there's no such thing as just a random explosion that caused everything to come into it to existence. And, and the person talked about that, that how that is proof that there's that only God exists and that God created the universe and nothing else created it, that it had to be an intelligent being, that intelligent being, being, being God and God created everything. And as I was looking at the comments, just curious as how people will respond to that. So many comments on there talking about how the Bible is false and God isn't real and he's a fairy tale. And, and, and this is something that we Christians made up to try to make ourselves feel good about the evil, evil in the world. And, and it's amazing because what happens oftentimes when you talk about overthrowing the faith of some, people will use science to try to combat the fact that God doesn't exist because they're looking for an explanation. They're looking for an explanation from, from another man, from another human being to tell them why the things happen the way that they do. And they don't stop to think for a second that you can't have some random act of chaos or some random event take place and think there's not some intelligence behind it. Let's say the Big Bang Theory was correct and that atom exploded and everything came into existence in the universe from that atom. That atom had to come from something. That atom came from God. That explosion was God saying in the book of Genesis, let there be light. That's what caused those explosions, all those beautiful things to happen. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, the history of creation or, 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 or anything like that um, in this message because I want to focus on, on, on making sure that we're prepared for tests. But how we prepare for tests is to study the word of God so that when people try to bring science into the discussion as a way to combat the existence of God, we can see that and we can point back to scripture and say, ah, this is what scripture said. All right. This is what scripture said. Scripture says that God created things out of nothing. He created this, this, this entire existence out of nothing versus mankind, where mankind needs something in order to be able to create. God created everything out of nothing. If you cram the night before an exam, you can't expect to actually learn the subject. You might do well on the test. But the information won't sink in. 
So in order to prepare for our test in lives, we need to study the word each and every single day so that when the quiz comes or the exam comes, we're ready. One of the things, if you listen to my prayers uh, in these messages, one of the things that I always, always pray is that is that, the, that that God will prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits so that the words can come in and get sunken deep so that they come bubbling up. The only way the word gets deep is if you actually study it and you have to study it consistently so you can see when the enemy is spreading lies. Studying the word of God allows us to have a connection with God in which he will also inform us when we are being lied to. Studying puts us in a uh, puts us on firm foundations based on what the word of God says and not what man says. Okay? The Bible talks about how there are are, are many false prophets and how false prophets are coming that spirit of antichrist is is operating in the world, not the antichrist but spirit of antichrist and that spirit of antichrist is any is any spirit that is is denying uh, um, the existence of Jesus Christ or denying that, 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 that God is, is, is real. Okay. That spirit is already operating in, in, in this world. In order for us to be able to know that we've got to be able to study and know what's in the word of God, because like an exam, most exams anyway, in school, most exams are closed book. When we go through tests in life, we're not always going to have the Bible in front of us to go back to and flip to it and, and refer to scripture. One of the things you probably heard me if you listen to these messages long enough, and I know there's, there's several ministers out there that do this, uh, uh, they may tell you to highlight or underline something, something in the word of God. And the whole reason for doing that is that when you go refer to that scripture later, you'll have key points and things highlighted and underlined because you can then go back to it and say, all right, there's something here. That when I read it previously, something stood out. Now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into it. Right? If you can see my Bible, I've got all sorts of highlights and different highlights and, and, and notes uh, uh, over the years of reading. And, and it never fails that sometimes when I'm referring to a scripture, I need to go look at that note and it brings to memory. Ah, okay. I remember why that's important now. And then I can get that sunken deep, deep in my, uh, deep in my spirit. Okay. The other thing that studying the God, uh, studying the word of God also does is is what we see in verse 15 there towards the end and it's uh rightly dividing the word of truth many people will pick certain scriptures and they won't look at the others this is why so many people think that the word of god contradicts itself because they'll read one scripture one place they'll read another scripture in, in, in another place and they seem to contradict sometimes and, and if we're being honest there's times when we can read the bible and it's like wait wait a minute that's not what scripture just said in in another book Another verse that says something totally different. But the reality of it is that if you have to read the whole thing in context and allow Holy Spirit to get into you and be able to share with you what it actually means. Because on the surface, it might look like it's contradictory, but the reality of it is not if we're using Holy Spirit revelation. It also allows us to connect all the different scriptures that meet and meanings that are scattered throughout the entire Bible to really, really, really be able to understand what God is saying. To really be able to understand what God is saying. And when we do that, it transforms our lives. We live a much different type of life when we're able to rightly divide the word of God, not cherry picking scriptures to justify our, our, our way of life. And there's many, even people that call themselves Christians out there that will pull different parts out of the Bible and say, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. But if they read just the very next verse in some cases, they will see that their initial understanding of what that verse meant is not, cor is not correct. 
Okay. And so they start cherry picking and saying, well, the Bible doesn't say that I can't do this. So I'm going to do it anyway. The Bible does say to do this. And so I'm going to do that. And they miss the entire context uh, of what, of what God is actually trying to say in scripture. Okay. One of the ways that you can study other than just reading, because we know we all, we've all probably read books and sometimes things stick and sometimes things don't. But when we're studying the word of God, that means that we're taking notes. That means we're highlighting. We're writing notes in the margin. We're underlining. Okay, we're spending some time to to grapple and wrestle with the scripture that we're reading, and we're bringing Holy Spirit into the conversation to get that deeper to get that deeper meaning. Get curious about the Word of God. Look up for any topic that you want some more information about, and you'll be able to find it in the Word of God. Any topic that you could think of, it can be found in the Word of God. the The Bible is a manual for our life. Anything you have questions on can be found in the word of God. And then subsequently, more understanding of that is found through Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's one way that we can be prepared for the test is by is by studying the word of God. Another way that we can be prepared for the test in our lives is to hold on to faith. Hold on to faith. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and we're going to start in verse number uh, verse number one Hebrews 11 number one now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so now faith this is not now comma faith this is now faith this means constant faith in the present time okay constant faith in the present time is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things that which are seen were not made of things which are visible this is what i was talking about earlier in 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 scripture there Okay, about rightly dividing and how I was uh, um, on social media looking at all the comments saying that God was in existence right there. God made things. Everything that we've seen in existence were made from things that were not visible. Okay. now the other thing about faith is this. Okay, and this is something that we often don't think about as children of God. Our circumstances, the situations that we find ourselves in. It's the faith that we exercise in those circumstances that turns the situation into a testimony. Okay, our faith in the current circumstance turns our situation into testimony, because if we don't have the faith, then we don't get through the situation that we're in. Therefore, we can't tell people about how good God is. How many people do you know? And you may have even been here at one point in your life. And we've all been here at some point where we found ourselves in a situation and it seemed like God wasn't there. And we lost a little bit of focus on him. And you start thinking about how, oh, man, you know, God's not here. God's not listening to me. God's too busy. Right. We make all of these excuses because we can't see God working. And then our faith and because of that, our faith gets 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 um, gets diminished and we don't have a testimony anymore. 
We walk around moping and hoping that something is going to get better. But it's once we interject that faith into the situation, that's when that circumstance then turns into a testimony. Because now what it does, it gives me the ability to share with people exactly what I was going through, how I was feeling, how I thought that there was no way out, but how I also leaned heavily on God and then God brought me through it. Faith is what turns our circumstance into testimony. Verse number four, by faith, Abel offered a good and more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was uh, that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks by faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken. He had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Underline that who diligently seek him. We talked, we saw in the, in the previous scriptures in, in, in second Timothy, the, 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 um, starting off with, with it saying study to show thyself approved or, or in, in the new King James version, be diligent to show thyself approved. We must diligently seek him. That's why studying the word of God becomes important. Studying it every single day is what allows us to get closer to him. And that's what then allows God to reward us because we are diligently seeking after him. All right. Verse number seven, by faith, Noah being divinely, divinely, divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Faith puts you in a place to build something before it's ever actually needed. That's why it's important to have faith, to be prepared for the test. All right. Faith allows you to build something today to prepare you for what's coming tomorrow. When Noah built that ark, he wasn't building it because it's rained at all. The word of God said a mist came up and it watered the ground. Noah didn't build that because they knew what rain was. He built it because God told him that a flood was coming. And what he knew was that he needed this ark to be able to somehow, some way, survive the flood that was coming. And God continued to give him the instruction as the ark was built. What kind of animals to take? Which of his family members to, 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 to bring in? And he told, and, and God told Noah what it was that was going to happen and, and how it was going to wipe out the entire earth, but that he was going to save him and his family. Okay. Faith allows you to build things today in preparation for tomorrow. And as children of God, it's important to understand everything that we do each and every single day is about tomorrow, not about yesterday. Yesterday is long and gone. It's about tomorrow. Verse number eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So faith allows us to walk in directions, even though we may not be know, may not know where we're going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and uh, 
Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand by which uh, by which is by the seashore. Right. So if you remember back to, to, to those scriptures there uh, with with um, uh, with Abraham and Sarah, uh, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was actually born. OK, which obviously is unheard of today. Mankind doesn't have that kind of lifespan um, anymore. Scripture talks about that. I think I think it was 120, 20 years is, is what the lifespan, uh, according to Scripture, is now after all the sin. But that faith is what allowed Abraham to have his first child with Sarah when he was 100, when he was 100 years old. If you want to be prepared for the test, don't let doubt overcome your faith. And I suggest if you haven't read the rest of these scriptures that talk about faith, definitely do that because it's really powerful in understanding what faith can actually do. Most people think that faith is a belief and doubt isn't. But faith and doubt are both faith and doubt are both beliefs. The difference between the two is that doubt is the belief that the end outcome is not going to be to my benefit. Faith is believing that the end outcome will be to my benefit. So it's not about whether or not you have uh, whether or not faith uh, is that if I'm if I believe that I have faith. No, that doesn't mean that at all. If I believe I can either believe that based off of faith or I can believe based off of doubt. All right. I can believe based off of faith or based or, or, or believe based off of, off of doubt. But we have to be able to believe in faith with faith that things are going to work out for our benefit. That goes back to the book of Romans that talks about we how all things work together for good for those that are called for those that love God, the called according to his purpose. OK, uh, uh, that's in, in, in the book of Romans there. Romans eight, I believe it is. That's having faith. If I know that my circumstance might not be fun right now and it might seem like there's no way, no way out. I'm still going to believe that it's going to work out for my good. For my benefit. So faith is important in being able to be prepared for the test. So how do you have faith? Well, first recognize that faith isn't something you need to ask for. It's already been given to you, according to Romans 12. In Romans 12, it talks about how everyone has been given the measure of faith. Every single person on this planet has been given the measure of faith. It's whether or not you choose to utilize that faith, whether or not you choose to activate that faith that makes a difference in your circumstance. Secondly, remember all the impossible situations God has gotten you out of in the past. And remember during those times when you thought he wasn't there, but then when you least expected it, he showed up with the bang. Keep those on those times at the forefront of your mind and watch your faith increase. All right. Faith. There's nothing. There's nothing magical about faith. Okay. There's nothing magical about faith. Everyone has it. God has given it to everyone. If you look at Romans 12, verse uh, chapter 12, verse three, everyone has been given a measure of faith. What what constricts our faith is when we forget what God has already done for us. So if we're bringing constant, bringing to constant remembrance what God has done for us, guess what? Our faith will increase, even though that situation might be different. And even though the situation may be taking longer than we like, it'll help to increase our faith. But faith is important in understanding and being prepared for the tests that are coming our way. The next way that we can prepare for the test is to start and end each and every day with God. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm uh, Psalm 63. Going to the book of Psalms. 
Psalm 63, and we're going to start in verse number one. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Underline that. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift my lift my hands in your name. Underline that. I will lift my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Underline that. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Being joyful in the time of a, of a test or being joyful at all times will make sure that your joy is still there even when, when, when the test comes. Verse 6. Uh, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Underline verse number six if you don't have that underlined already. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. This is the importance of remembering God and studying what he's, what he's ta taught us, studying his precepts. Because we need to be able to remember God when we go to sleep. Okay, God should be the first thing on our mind when we wake up and the last thing on our mind when we go to sleep. In verse one there, it talks about early will I seek you. Each day is a fresh start. Each day is a fresh start. What happened yesterday, you can't go back and change. It's already done with. Each day is a fresh start. God's wiped away the previous day and he's ready to get you going on the new one. Okay, so we need to wake up every single morning longing after God and understand that whatever happened yesterday is gone. It's about today and tomorrow. We do today what we need to prepare us for tomorrow. Okay. Verse number seven, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Underline that. Therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. There shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speaks lies shall be stopped. So we see here the importance again of starting and ending each day with God and, 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 and seeking him out constantly and praising him constantly and being joyful and rejoicing during, during times when we, might, when we might be in the midst of a test. All right. And, and rejoicing when we're not in the midst of a test. All right. Now, the interesting thing about this scripture is that this scripture was uh, uh, David wrote this particular version, uh, this particular chapter in Psalms when he was in the wilderness and he was running. And you can read in, in, in previous scriptures, uh, I believe it was in First Samuel, he was um, talking about how his son Absalom was, was pretty much after him. So he was he was running. He was wandering in the wilderness when he wrote all of these beautiful words. The key for us, though, is to make sure that we're not doing these things only when we find ourselves in the wilderness. All right. David was in dire straits in this situation. He was running for his life when he wrote these. We need to make sure that we aren't, quote unquote, running for our lives or finding ourselves in dire situations before we start seeking God in the morning. Because it's easy to go seek God when things are going wrong. It's very hard to, at times to seek God when things are going right. The key to seeking God when things are going right or the importance of doing that is to then know that at some point, that joy that you're experiencing, because you're not in the middle of a trial, 
At some point, the devil is going to come and try to take that from you. At some point, the devil is going to throw a roadblock in your way. At some point, the devil is going to do something to you to try to get your eyes focused off of God. That's why we start each and every single day with God. That's why we end each and every single day with God, because that helps us to be prepared for the test. And when we also do that each and every single day, that allows us to walk in the spirit. That allows us to walk in the spirit. And that's the last um, that's the last part of of being able to or close to being the last thing that we can do to be prepared for the test. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And we're going to start in verse number 16. And I'm actually going to read this one um, out of the Amplified because there's there, there's some really good there's some good meat in the Amplified version for these scriptures um, that that will really 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 tie this all together. All right, so praise God. We're going to go to to uh, Galatians chapter five, and we're going to start in verse number verse number sixteen. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has his desire, which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. So what these scriptures are saying here, in essence, is that because um, because mankind was uh was was thrust into into sin um because of what adam and eve did in, in the garden there because of mankind was thrust into that sin naturally what we what we would do as humans absent God, absent jesus being our lord and savior uh and having holy spirit in our lives we will tend to to do sinful things right um and if you look throughout the old testament and and, and how many times people violated the law that god had set up that is proof that you can set up all the laws that you want. Mankind will be rebellious to those laws anytime that it, 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 anytime those laws are uh, inconvenience uh, and inconvenient to us. We will always rebel. We see it with just regular laws about speeding, you know, so not even just godly laws, but any law that gets put into effect. Mankind will always find a way to skirt that law for something that's more convenient. So the whole reason that Jesus Christ was sent was because God knew that. And because mankind has that sinful nature, we needed a way to be able to repent so that we can then spend eternity with God. So that's why Jesus came so that we can then have access to God, the father, which then allowed when Jesus uh, descended into the pit after he crucified and was ro rose again, that then allowed him to send Holy Spirit to be our guide. OK, to be able to to tell us when we've committed a sin so that we can then speedily repent. So this is why it's important when some people talk about, you know, I don't need Jesus to get into heaven. Absolutely. You do, because scripture talks about 
how the only way into heaven is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, you haven't accepted him, then you certainly can't know the calling of the Holy Spirit when he's trying to pull you and say, you need to repent of this. You might feel sorry for what you did, but you can't repent because you don't have Jesus in your, in your life. Okay. So, so, so that's what the, the, this is all pretty much, um, summarizing, summarizing here in, in, uh, in, in Galatians, um, verse number 18 again, but if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Underline that in your Bible if you don't have that underlined. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we, are act, how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. Underline that. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Holy Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage conduct our uh our conduct empowered by the holy spirit okay so walking in the spirit is about allowing holy spirit to guide us every each and every single day so that we can conquer that sinful nation that that sinful nature excuse me that tries to take over okay walking in the spirit how many times have you this i mean there's so many examples there of um of what people do when they're not being led by Holy Spirit. Okay. How many times have you seen people just lash out in anger over something that doesn't make sense? Or, or like we've seen over the, over the last few, few years, rioting and destruction of property because something happened that, that, that people didn't agree with, taken to the streets and destroying businesses. That's not godly in any sense of the imagination whatsoever. And if anyone claims that that's okay, then I would get as far away from that person as possible because they also are not being led by Holy Spirit. God would not want you to destroy something because you don't like what, 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 what's, what's going on. All right. The devil is the one that looks to steal, to destroy, to kill. That's what the word of God says. God brings life. God is life giving. The devil is life taking. So if we are walking in the spirit, then we should be bringing life into every situation. We should be bringing life each and every single day to every single person that we're interacting with on the on, in the workplace with your neighbor. Uh, uh, when you see them in the street, somebody that you run into the store, we should be doing something to bring life into the into into the situation because Holy Spirit is guiding us. All right. 
That's what walking in the spirit is all about. And there's so much to walking in the spirit that I can do uh, a complete message on what it is to walk, walk in the spirit. But walking in the spirit also means that we don't react based off of what's in our heads or our hearts. Instead, we react based on what's in our spirit. We take everything that everything first starts with us seeing something happen, right? Or we, we see something or we hear something. Then it goes into our minds and we start wrestling around with it. Then it starts to drum up these feelings and then those feelings lead to some sort of action. What we need to be able to do before we get to action and after we start the feelings, we need to be able to then go to Holy Spirit and say, okay, how should I react? How should I react to this? So there's an extra step in that process. We see something, we hear something, it gets in our mind, we start rationalizing it, it brings up these feelings, we then be going to Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to check me on this. What should I do? And being honest about with, with God about those things. Lord, I'm feeling very angered because this person said this. I'm feeling very nervous because I got this bad news in the mail. Or I heard this news from the doctor. Okay. I'm feeling, this is how I'm feeling, Lord. I don't know how to handle it. What shall I do? That's part of walking in the spirit. It's allowing Holy Spirit to be our navigator each and every single day of our lives. Not just when we want, not, not just sometimes. But each and every single day, the last thing that we need to do in order to be prepared for the test is just to be consistent and persistent, consistent and persistent. Consistency is about having a regular routine that's meaningful. I get up, I do this, this, this and this. And if you upset that routine, you upset that consistency, things get crazy, right? That's consistency. Persistency is about stopping at nothing to maintain your consistency. In other words, not allowing anything to disrupt that routine. This routine that we kind of talked about today, if you will, uh, of being prepared for the test is we need to study, study the word of God each and every single day. Hold on to our faith. Start and end each day with God. Walk in the spirit each and every single day and be consistent and persistent in all of those practices. That's how we then start to prepare ourselves for the test. That's how we can make sure that we're not, we're not surprised when the devil rears his ugly head. Because that's what he does. He tries to sneak attack you. You're not going to see him necessarily from a distance. But if you're doing these things, if we're doing what's necessary to prepare for what's coming, Holy Spirit can let us know by walking in the spirit that an attack is coming. You can get that little inkling in your spirit that, hmm, I need to be on guard today because I, something, I feel something in my spirit is going to happen. Okay, but these are the ways that we prepare for the test. We study God's word each and every day. We hold on to faith. We start and end each day with God. We walk in the spirit every day and we're consistent and persistent about each one of those areas. Don't let yourself be surprised by an upcoming test. You know, they will be coming, but you can only excuse me. You know, they will be coming. And you also know that if you have a relationship with God, he will be able to prepare you for the test. You already have the answers. God can help you find them if you're not sure what they are. The relationship that we have with God by walking with him and being intentional about our relationship with him will empower us to do everything that we heard and read today in scripture and everything in scripture in, in general. But it, you can only do that with a, a, a deep intentional walk with, with God where you where you're intentionally trying to build a relationship with him and then he'll be able to guide you and help you uh, maintain your preparation for any test coming up 
Well, praise God. I hope this message uh, was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end with prayer. Lord God, Jehovah, I want to thank you for these words that came forth today, Lord God. And I just want to pray for everyone that has heard these, that they would just stay within our spirits, that they would strengthen us to seek after you wholeheartedly, to be able to be prepared for any test that may come our way, Lord God. Lord God, I want to thank you for always watching over your children, and I pray that you would continue to watch over us and to keep us safe, and that you would bless every single listener that has heard these messages, that has heard this message today. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. If this message was a blessing to you, feel free to pass it on uh, to family, friends, and loved ones, or anyone that might be giving you a hard time, because it's not God's wish for any, any to perish. You can find us at genesis1.sermon.net. Uh, genesis 1 is one word. And if you click on the subscribe button, you'll be able to be notified anytime new content is posted. We also have a YouTube channel. You can find us if you just search Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, genesis 1 is two words there. And you'll find um, all of these video messages on YouTube. And then we have apps in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Everything is available for free because we just want to make the word of God uh, available to everyone. So praise God. I hope you that you walk in his blessings and just remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. God bless.